Welcome to the Exhorter Podcast, where we aim to stir up love and good works through bite-sized biblical discussion. We had some difficulties putting out a podcast last week due to some COVID cases in our house, but we'll be putting two episodes out this week. These episodes are part one and part two of a recording done some time ago on exhortation. We're generally trying to get these episodes around 15 to 20 minutes, and this one ran a little longer, so we decided to chop it up. Now, the audio quality isn't as good as some of our more recent episodes, um, but it's such an important topic that we wanted to use these anyways. The first part is about why we're calling it the Exhorter Podcast and what that means to us. We hope you enjoy. Hi. I'm Kyle Goodwin. I'm here today with Paul Nerland and John Bradford. We are your hosts of the Exhorter Podcast, and today we're going to be discussing exhortation, which is the name of our podcast, but it's also our purpose to exhort, to encourage, to provoke, to love and good works. So today we want to talk about our name. This is something that we had many discussions about. Uh, there were some okay ideas. There were some really awful ideas suggested for a name. I don't know why the name is such an important concept, but we feel like we had to get it right. And eventually the name became something very obvious, the Exhorter podcast. The Exhorter is something that has significance here at the church in Clovis. John, you can tell us a little bit about the significance and a little bit of the history behind the name The Exhorter. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I was trying to think about this the other day of how long we've been doing the bulletin here in Clovis. Um, Paul, did we have it before my dad started it or was it the first one here? We had a bulletin before that, but I think your dad picked it up after Norton Die passed away because okay, Norton had done it for many years. Yeah, and so that must have been somewhere around I want to say two thousand like five or so. It was. It's been a long time, and he had started a, a bulletin in Ontario, California. I, I believe it was the same title, The Exhorter. Um, he, he wasn't a you know a very he didn't walk around with a big smile all the time, you know. But uh, he knew the importance of positivity. And the importance of um, encouragement and encouraging one another. And so, I think that the name meant something to him when he chose it, you know, very specific. I think it's because even though he didn't have that outward persona, goal was to uh, give the congregation some extra guidance during the week and some encouragement. And as we talked about our our purpose for doing a podcast, we had to keep reminding ourselves of the why. Why are we doing this and what are we hoping to accomplish? And it really boiled down to exhortation. And so that's why the title became very obvious. For one, it has the history with this church we've all been a part of for many years. Uh, so it's got that history, that familiarity to us and to any of the members here at this church in Clovis. But it also gets to the heart of what we're trying to accomplish in these podcasts, exhortation. Now, a dictionary definition, if you go to Merriam-Webster's, it says to incite by argument or advice, urge strongly. So the idea is you're trying to, through words of encouragement, you're trying to cultivate a change. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I'll give, it's not a word that you use in everyday life. I don't find myself saying I'm going to go exhort my kids, but I can't tell you when I was a kid and it was a freezing cold, snowy day. My mom would exhort me to make sure I was wearing 
a warm jacket and I had everything I needed to not get cold. And it was a strong urging to action. And that would be, I think what we mean by exhort is, uh, there is for our well being, but it's also not just encouraging, although I think that's part of it. It's encouraging strongly. It's urging and. That captures it, I think, for me. I think of my mother as a kid on a winter day exhorting me to do that. Obviously, that was for something less important than what we're talking about here today. Yeah, there's a forcefulness to it that's implied by, by the idea of exhortation, that you're trying to see a change take place. You are trying to see your teachings or your instruction followed through with, with action, as a preacher, I think of it in these terms, that oftentimes what I present in my sermons to my audience is nothing that they haven't ever heard before. They're familiar with, with the Bible and many of the concepts I present. So I don't think of my preaching as trying to share new information with people, but more importantly, I consider my sermons to be encouragement or a form of exhortation in that I'm trying to get people to act upon the Bible. I'm trying to get them to take action upon the things they probably already know they ought to be doing. And that's what I think of with exhortation in, in relation to preaching and my walk of faith as a Christian is trying to get people to take action on the things they already know they should be doing. So exhortation is not a word that we use too often in our daily vocabulary. Uh, let's look at a scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 is a text I kept coming back to, and I love considering all the different translations, the way this verse is translated differently. Let me read a handful of different translations, and then I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on, on what this means. So when we look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, when we compare different translations, we get a sense of what this word means means. We get a sense of what is encompassed by this expression. The New International Version, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The New Living Translation says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. English Standard Version says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The old King James version says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. New American standard says, let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Older versions of the New American Standard actually say how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And the Holman Christian Standard Bible, let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Well, it can be a good practice to compare different translations. And sometimes the, the way a word is translated differently will give you a different sense of that concept. Do any of these jump off the page to you guys? What stands out in some of those different versions of this verse that I read? You know, what stands out is sometimes the definitions of certain words can feel cold and harsh. Um, what I like about Hebrews uh, 10.24 is in all of these its motivation is from love, just like putting on a coat and the desire for, you know, to urge or to encourage, to, you know, persist that someone do something in their best interest, um, like putting on a coat when it's cold outside or uh, read their Bible or, or whatever it be. I think that sometimes we, we skip to the action and we forget the motivation of certain words and certain things. And, and that's what I think of when I think of Exor. I think of this motivation from love. 
Well, and, and, and being cold or sterile, a lot of people connect this to the next verse in Hebrews chapter 10, which says, and not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some. And sometimes this verse has been used simply to tell people they need to have good attendance at church. And that's missing the meaning of this text. I, I really like how this brings out why we need to be at church, because it's it's not because our admittance into heaven is going to be based upon our church attendance, if we have a good record of attendance. That's not the idea here. The idea is you need to be with the church when they assemble, because you bring something. You bring something unique uh, to, to encourage the body. You need to be here not just because out of a sense of duty because you need to be here. You need to be here because you bring something. You bring this encouragement. You bring this stirring up, this encouraging, this provoking to love and good works. And so it's not that we need you here because you're supposed to be here. It's because we're better off when you are here. But go back to the example I gave at the beginning because I think of how I looked at things as a kid. And again, my mother knew what was best for me. All I was thinking about as a child in the wintertime was I wanted to go out and play. I wasn't thinking about any of the things she was reminding me of. As a kid, I wasn't even thinking of that. Isn't it funny? As a kid, I have no memories of being cold ever. Right. It's not even on our mind. But, you know, you better believe she was exhorting me to make sure that I was bundled up, kind of like that kid in A Christmas Story. I mean, I was bundled up when I went out. And as soon as I got out, I'd probably take it off. What does that have to do with this? You know, when I read these scriptures, I'm reminded of, you know, this is Holy Spirit inspired words of God to us as humans that we get distracted. We go on with our daily life every single day. And every, this is one of many passages where it's strongly urging us because our human nature is to go off and we think of other things. We get distracted from the things we're supposed to be doing. And so there's strong language here to spur us, to encourage us, to provoke us to do what we need to be doing. And we see that really throughout the old, the new Testament, especially uh, whether it's the apostle Paul writing from his prison cell to a church he'd been to, or in some cases a church he had never been to, but he writes with this strong language to exhort, to encourage. And I just think God knows us. He knows we're going to get distracted. He knows we're going to be thinking about other things, just like I did as a kid. And I wasn't thinking about what I was supposed to, but God a thousand times more than that. Yeah, Paul, I, I tend to gravitate towards the more strongly worded translations myself too. They seem to emphasize that aspect that you talked about of, of an urgency to this spur on. The one that I picked out of this list of translations is the uh, old King James version to provoke. Maybe I'm drawn to this version, this, this translation of the concept, because I'm the youngest brother. I have two older brothers. I know what it means to provoke a reaction out of my brothers. And John, I'm sure you do too. You're the little one. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know exactly what this translation. So when I'm told by God to provoke a reaction out of others, and of course the reaction is love and good works, but I know exactly what it means to provoke. When it was with my older brothers, I knew exactly what noises to make, what faces to make, where to poke them, what to do to annoy them until there was an outburst. And then they got in trouble uh, from my parents because they're the, they're the ones getting mad at me. Uh, I knew exactly how to get that reaction out of them. And I wasn't going to stop until I did. For the kid brother, that's always a satisfying thing to, to draw out that, that reaction from your older siblings. But we take that concept of provoke and, and put it in a different light provoking to love and good works. It means 
I'm going to have a sense of urgency. I want to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to see them living the kind of life God called us to live. I want to see them loving God, putting him first in their lives. And I want to see them loving their neighbor, which is the greatest command in all of the Bible. I want to see them filling their life with good works. So some of my sermons are going to be strongly worded. Some of my sermons are going to have some punch to them because I am trying to provoke that change out of them. And Satan wants us to all be lulled into a, a, a sleep, a walking sleep where we just drift through life without really thinking about our direction or our purpose. So I really like those strongly worded spur and provoke this reaction out of people. I thought the John Wayne picture and the Stetson had your office is why you like spur, but maybe <laughs> not. Well, I'm really glad that you like my name for the podcast. So thank you. No, it's just because you complain the most about exactly. my idea. I, I think it, it pretty much sums up uh, at least my feelings about wanting to do something of this nature in this media, uh, in a podcast. You know, many Christians have the ability to have the wealth of relationships in daily conversations, weekly conversations that I have over coffee with you guys and other people. And uh, I, I just think it's really important and really great to model those and also just give that insight on how we can encourage people to live better Christian lives ourselves and then how they can do the same. And I was just going to add, I think that I'll just say personally to, to both of you and to everybody that's listening, I need it. Um, we live in a world where we're being tested, we're being challenged, we're being distracted. Um, I need not just to be reminded of these things like we talk about here in Hebrews chapter 10, whether it's coming together with other Christians or reading the word of God, I need to be reminded of these things on a regular basis to stay focused. And sometimes that might be strongly. I agree, Paul. It's We need this every day. And I like having a, an opportunity to, uh, to put my mind into something that I know that uh, other people could um, could benefit them. And that's really our purpose in this podcast and why we went with the idea of the exhorter. Thanks for listening to part one on exhortation. Stay tuned to part two, where we discuss why we need exhortation. Thank you.